Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, September the 9th, 2022. It is currently 2.42 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Did you notice the correction? I've been saying studios, but I guess, is that correct? Is that okay to say? But I, I'll try to be more specific. I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And I know that we may disagree, right? You could say studios and I could say studio or I could say studios and you're like, no, it's studio. And you could say it's studios. And I'm like, no, we we could go back and forth. In fact, there's possibility that there could be a disagreement on should I even say the Theology Central Studios or studio? Should I even say that, right? Right. The point I'm trying to make is we there, that no matter what I say, there will be disagreement. In fact, there'll be disagreement that I'm wasting too much of your time right now, and I'm not getting right to the point because I see that criticism all the time. Yesterday, there was this long discussion about podcasters taking too long at the beginning to waste everyone's time. So that's why some people don't listen to podcasts because they don't want to hear people talking about nothing. They want people to get right to the point. So they want people to turn on the microphone and go, all right, the point is today this, boop, 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 done. All right, uh, but I, <laughs> uh, the point is there would be disagreement. There would be disagreement. And that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about disagreement because I don't know if you know this, Christianity is filled with disagreement. Christianity is divided. There is division. There is disunity in the body of Christ. It is divided, disunity, lack of unity. There is division. It is just the norm. It's not the exception. It is the norm. Any kind of signs of unity is some like weird thing. Like, what is that? What does that? Wait, everyone, come here. Come here really quick. Look at that. Those two Christians, I think they agree with each other. Get it on video and put it on TikTok because this has never been seen before. Two Christians agree. This can't be happening. Ladies and gentlemen, something is happening. We have two Christians here who agree. Okay. I know what you think. That's ridiculous. Not really. There's so much disunity and disagreement and division in the body of Christ that whenever there seems to be any kind of agreement or unity, you begin to call into question what is happening. But that is just the reality of the situation. So we've been acknowledging that there is so much disagreement and division, right? We've been talking about it and disunity. But we have an article that says that they have the seven steps to bring about unity, And so we have created a series where we're working through these steps to see if they will produce unity. What is somewhat humorous to me is here is an article about the steps to unify the church, and I'm finding myself disagreeing with all the steps, which is kind of, I don't know, kind of hilarious to me. Here are seven steps to bring unity to the church. I disagree with all seven. <laughs> okay. Actually, my, my, my question has been so far, we've only looked at one, but I've glanced at the one for today. I don't know if these have, I don't even know how these could be called steps to unity because I don't know how any of this would produce any unity, but that, but I digress because when we're done with their seven in the article that we're looking at, guess what? Then I will offer my 
thoughts on how to bring about unity. And just make sure you understand when I say how to bring about unity, my suggestions are are absolutely vain and meaningless. They're absolutely futile because no one's going to listen to mine and it would never happen. So mine is a waste of time, but I will give them because while I'm offering you the ability to send your three things that you believe would lead to unity in the body of Christ, again, I don't believe anyone has offered any good suggestions. And and when I say no good suggestions, I don't know if anyone's offered any suggestions at all. But uh, if you have them, you can email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com. All right. So the name of the article is Seven Steps to Help Unite the Church of America. This was published on September the 3rd, 2022 at thechristianpost.com. If you just read the comment section <laughs> at thechristianpost.com, <laughs> again, it's it, it, it makes me laugh because there's no agreement in the comment sections at, at thechristianpost.com. There's no agreement. There's no agreement on anything. But all right, here we go. Um, they, they start this way, which again, just the, the first, the, the beginning of this is fascinating to me because I don't know how the author doesn't stop and go, well, wait a minute. If that is true, then how is the church still here? Because this is what they, this is what they say at the beginning of the article. It was Jesus himself who said every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. The same applies for the church. If we are divided against ourselves, we will be ruined and we will not stand. And in yesterday's broadcast, I told you, I don't know why that says if we are divided, it should read the same applies for the church. Since we are divided, the church has now been ruined and it has fallen. That, that's the way it should read, but it's almost like if, 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 If this happens, we're going to be ruined and we're not going to be able to stand. Well, what do you mean if? The church has been divided. There's been disunity. There has been disagreement throughout the entire history of Christianity. And it's only gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. We're more splintered, more fractured, more schism than maybe at any time, at least in modern church history. So I don't know why they're saying if, but it says, and if we, the people of God in America, will not stand, neither will our nation. So once again, I don't know why he keeps connecting the church to the nation. I don't, don't even get me started on all of that. But how can we unite when there are such deep divisions and differences among us? How can we unite? And the author has seven steps to bring unity to the church. Step number one, I don't even know how step, I guess you could see step number one is a step, I guess, doesn't really help anything. To me, step number one just leads to more discouragement, more depression, more frustration, and more of a feeling like, what have we done? But here we go. Step number one, according to this article, recognize that unity is very important to the Lord. That what we need to do, all Christians need to stop and go, wait a minute, guys, wait a minute. Unity is important to God. So we're supposed to be one because in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that we would all be one. Now, the article doesn't even to address all of the possible theological problems and implications of that verse because either Jesus wants us to be one, but we're all refusing to be one. So the church lives in a perpetual state of disobedience. 
Jesus prayed. So Jesus, that Jesus prayer is simply him giving, this is what I want. Not, but, but it never is going to happen because it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So either Jesus just wanted it or Jesus literally prayed for it, but God said no to it. So then why did God say no to it? Why was Jesus prayer not answered? It, was it a prayer in his humanity but did not reflect his deity like, Father, if there's any way to remove this cup, was he simply praying in his humanity something that's not God's will? So is, is unity really God's will and it's what God really wants or is it what Christ in his humanity wanted? I asked a lot of these questions yesterday. Like, or God wants it, but he's not doing anything to make it happen. I mean, there's so many, I mean, I'm not going to go through all of them again. We could spend days here, but so according to them, we're, we're supposed to just look around going, man, Unity. Unity is important to the Lord. Unity is important to the Lord. As we live in a perpetual state of disunity. As we live in a perpetual state of discord, of division, of disagreement. So I don't know what good it does us to say, God really wants unity. Does he really want unity? I think that's a very important question. Does he want unity... For all of Christianity, or does he simply want unity in each individual congregation? You say, well, he wants unity in the body of Christ. Now, what some people do is they say, well, when John 17, when Jesus prayed for that we would all be one, it happens. See, when we're all saved, we all become a part of this invisible body of Christ, and therefore we're one. I have such a problem with that somehow being the solution, because what does it mean that we're one? First, we don't even agree who is in the invisible body of Christ. Two, we don't know who's in the invisible body of Christ. And three, how is that unified? We don't meet. We don't see one another. Like, it's just some arbitrary, superficial unity that doesn't really have any implication because whatever we are in the invisible body, in the visible body, we disagree. There's dis disunity. There's division. There's discord. There's schism. There's, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly why that makes Christians feel better, but somehow I guess it makes people feel better. But that was number one. I don't have time to repeat all of it. It's just so much we could talk about. Now, remember, in, in the way I'm doing this podcast series is I'm just giving you one point each day, one step. Um, I could go through these quickly, but I just, I just want some of my podcasts go long, so I want these to be a little shorter. So here we go. Number two. Oh boy, I got to laugh. All right, so number one, recognize that unity is important. I don't know exactly how that's a step to unity, but okay, we all need to recognize it. Number two, you and I need to learn to appreciate the diversity of the body. I'm supposed to appreciate the diversity in the body. Now, I'm turning off my iPad because I don't want to even read what they have to say right now. I'm going to grab a pencil, which is what I love to do when I start thinking, all right? I wish I had like 50 people here that we could have a discussion about this. Okay, I, I am going to speak real. I'm, uh, I, whether you, you may perceive what I'm about to say is fleshly, but I'm just being real with you. I don't appreciate the so-called diversity in the body of Christ because I'm not sure exactly what that means. Let me ask this. If what you mean that I'm supposed to love and appreciate the diversity in the body of Christ, are you telling me that I'm supposed to love and appreciate a doctrinal system 
that looks at people and says, God has guaranteed healing for you right now. By his stripes, you are healed. You can be healed. I'm sorry. I don't appreciate that. I don't love that. I don't like that. I stand in complete contradiction and condemnation of that because it's a lie and it destroys people's lives. Physical healing is not guaranteed for here and now. Now, if you say by the death of Christ, physical healing is guaranteed when we get a new body in heaven and there's no more sickness and no more pain, we're in agreement. But if you say that that is for right now and all you have to do is claim it, all you do have to believe and you can be healed of terminal cancer and you can be healed of your leg being blown off in Afghanistan and God will give you a new leg. If you if you say all of that stuff, you're a liar. You know you're a liar. It's not true. Because, well, we could go through a million different reasons why we know it's not true. There, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't appreciate that diversity. Is that the diversity you're talking about? Am I supposed to appreciate a theology that people start speaking in some kind of supposedly unknown language, some kind of spiritual language, and then claim that's God speaking through them. And then we get some interpretation of said tongue, some said language, which is supposed to be the revelation from God. So I, I'm supposed to not listen to the scripture, but listen to all of these revelations. Am I supposed to appreciate that? Am I supposed to appreciate a theology that has people falling on the floor and barking like dogs and wailing and acting like they're drunk and holy laughter and supposedly gold teeth teeth and all the other craziness that's happened in the charismatic world? I don't appreciate that. I don't see that diversity. I see that as apostasy. Am I so supposed to appreciate that diversity in the body of Christ when people are like, God told me this, and God told me this, and God told me this, when I don't believe God is telling them anything because God only speaks to us through his written word? Am I supposed to appreciate that diversity? I don't appreciate it. I believe it's a cancer. I believe it's a schism. I believe it's a spot on the body of Christ. Am I supposed to appreciate that diversity in the body of Christ when some people say, hey, take that baby, eight days old, sprinkle it, boom, it's now a brother and sister in the Lord. It, it, it produced regeneration. I'm sorry, I don't appreciate that because if that is true, then my theology is false. So either I have to join them or I have to completely condemn it as being a false gospel. Do I appreciate the diversity in the body of Christ when someone says you can lose your salvation. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't appreciate that. I mean, I could go on all day of all of the doctrinal differences. And we're talking doctrinal differences that go to the very heart of the gospel, to the very heart of salvation, to the very heart of how people living their lives and not being destroyed emotionally because of the spiritual abuse heaped upon them. Are we supposed to appreciate that diversity? So you got to, that, that's such a cliche. Hey, the way we can bring about unity is that we all appreci appreciate that diversity. Well, as long as we appreciate that diversity, how is that going to bring unity? Because we're celebrating the fact that we're so diverse and diversity is simply a code word that we are divided.
What do they say about this? This is what they say, if I can find it. I would encourage you, this is from the article, I would encourage you to read through Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. The hand is just as needed as the foot. The eye is just as needed as the ear. That means that I need you and you need me. That is the gospel truth. Now, okay, again, are you saying throughout the entire body of Christ that I just see someone as a hand and someone as a foot, someone as an eye, someone as an ear? No, not when the hand and the foot and the eye and the ear are believing completely contradictory things. And one belief condemns the other belief and the other belief condemns the other. How can I just see that as one's the eye, one is the ear? I'm sorry, no. You believe things that I believe are completely utterly or completely opposite of what I believe. That's not the difference between an eye and an ear. That's a difference of a whole different body, a whole different thinking, a whole different everything. Now, within each individual church who is united around some system of theology, yes, we do appreciate the diversity within a church. Some are eyes, some are ears, some are hands, some are foot. There are difference in personalities, but at least we are united in some theological system. See, this is a pre, this is what's required. If we want unity, we need to appreciate the diversity. And you know the way we preach the uh, appreciate the diversity is we throw out theology. Now, this the the author here would say absolutely not. Well, you have to because if you care about doctrine and theology, I can't appreciate a diversity when someone's teaching a doctrine and theology that is completely contradictory to the doctrine and theology that I'm teaching. We both can't be right. So, according to this article. The first two steps to bring about unity in the church is to recognize that unity is important. I don't know how that's supposed to help. And number two, we're supposed to appreciate that diversity. I don't, I can't appreciate a, anything that's teaching something that I think is complete, direct contradiction to the word of God, and especially certain teachings that I think are absolutely detrimental to one's not only mental health, emotional health, and clearly their spiritual health. When, when Bethel Church says, hey, hey, this little girl died. We're not going to bury her yet because we're going to have a wake up olive thing where we have a praise thing and we're going we're gonna to resurrect. This girl's going to be resurrected and it doesn't happen. I'm sorry, I don't see that as a diversity. I see that as a travesty. I see that as a tragedy. I see that as horrific. So I, I don't know. I, I look, I, 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 let me make it very clear. If you're talking just the diversity in the body of Christ, that people are different, different focus, different gifts, different abilities, I'm, I'm more than willing to accept that. But I mean, it really doesn't matter what you're supposed to, that I, 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 I don't understand how that really is going to bring about unity. Now, within a local congregation, I think it is important to understand that we're diverse. We come from diverse backgrounds, right? With diverse interests and diverse likes and diverse. So every church is made up of people completely different. So within one local congregation, I think this principle is important, right? Hey, look, this is what I always tell my church. We don't have anything in common other than Christ. 
I probably have zero in common with anyone in my church. We don't like the same things. We don't think the same. We are radically different in so many ways. You know what? None of that matters because what we are, what we do have is Christ. So what their differences, their distinctions, their personalities, whatever is irrelevant, it's Christ. So within a local church, yes. You say, well, you can expand that to the body of Christ. Well, no, I can't because now we have completely different doctrines and theologies and, and, and claims of truth. Within one local church, we should be united to some doctrinal understanding. There should be some agreement. But we all know that even within a local church, that that agreement only goes so far before the hand, the foot, the eye walks away and goes to another church. So, I mean, even that's, to me, even within a local congregation, our unity is about as fraudulent as it can be. It's only unified if everyone agrees. As soon as disunity begins, as soon as disagreement begins, the disunity starts, the backbiting, the gossip, the slander, the talking about you's going down. Well, they go find another place and say, peace out, don't talk to me, and I'm gone. Well, well, thank you so much. Great, great unity. The unity is fraudulent. It's fake. It's temporary. And I know that sounds so, so derogatory, but it's just the way it is. We have a hard enough time keeping the local congregation together. But hey, 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 look, the way we can be unified in the larger context of the entire body of Christ is, well, we can just learn to appreciate the diversity. You know, when the vineyard movement was happening, I should have just been appreciative of that. When the Brownsville revival was happening, I should, when the uh, Lakeland revival was occurring, I should have just been appreciative. No, I think all of those movements were utterly heretical. I'm not appreciative of that in any way, shape, or form. So how, I'm, I don't know, have anything else to say. I don't know what else to say. This is what they've given me. These are the two steps. I don't see anything even remotely practical here, but this is what they've given us. So we won't go any further because I just wanted, all I wanted was to say, hey, here are the steps they're giving us. I'm still giving you the opportunity to send me three things that you think that if the church would to do, it would bring about unity. I've got three I've got some ideas. I got some ideas. I don't know if I have three. I may have four or five, but I, I, I have some ideas. Now, nobody, it would never work. It would n- never work. And I don't even know how much unity it would bring. But it should be interesting to try. Sure would be interesting to try. I don't literally, I have nothing else like this. I I don't really even have anything here in their, their supposed step to really are to really take apart because it's just such a vague thing. Well, the first thing we need is we just need to recognize unity is important. And the second thing we need to do is we need to appreciate the diversity. And then we'll, we'll be one step. We'll be two steps closer to unity. Now, I, I, if we apply this only to a local congregation, if we apply this only to a local church, hey, guys in this church, we need to understand that unity within this church is important to Christ. Okay, number two, hey, there is diversity here, and we need to appreciate that diversity as long as we stay unified around our 
confession around our doctrinal statement to some degree. There, there obviously can be room for disagreement. There has to be some room, but we can still maintain some kind of unity. If you apply this only to a local, one local congregation, each local congregation, then I'm in agreement that these are important principles. If you're trying to say the church in general, this is not going to bring unity to the body of Christ at large in any way, shape, or form. That's why I think the only hope you have is focusing on local congregations. which is hard enough to maintain unity there. All right, we'll stop there. You can send me your list, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I always feel weird doing a podcast episode that ends in like, you know, 25 minutes because I'm not used to that. Usually it's an hour and 30 minutes, but I wanted to do this. I keep doing the long ones. I wanted to mix it up with some shorter ones. And uh, hopefully you will appreciate the variety. All right. Thanks for listening. And if you disagree, well, you know, thank you for just proving how messed up the whole situation is in the first place. Newsif at yahoo.com. We will probably be back on the air some point today. You never know. Just have the Church One app downloaded. Search for Theology Central. Keep those notifications on. And you'll know the second we go live on the air which seems to be all the time. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.